It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good evening. Love Talk Why don't you come on out to the Hey Girls Americana Radio Show, hosted by Song River and Carol Pacey of Carol Pacey and the Honey Shakers. All coming to you live on KWOD Independent Internet Radio, broadcasting from the Ice House Tavern in Phoenix, Arizona. All sound recorded and mixed by Vintage Note Records. Come on out, check out the show, and then visit the website at blogtalkradio.com backslash KWOD radio. We'll see y'all out there. Welcome to KWOD Radio's production of The Next Space. We'd like to welcome you tonight to our show presented by Alan Joe. Joe will be here shortly. This is Al. And we're just raring to get started. In fact, we're running just a few minutes late. Uh, we apologize for the delay. Um, and if you've just uh, chimed in, hopefully, running on our uh, landing on our feet and get running. For those of you who want to call in and check out, check out and join the conversation, our guest call in is 714-242-5145. 714-242-5145. Uh, on this show, we talk about um, manned space flight, and for that matter, most news uh, related to manned space flight. A lot of stuff that uh, we talk about uh, revolves around the idea of how do we get people into space beyond um, astronauts that go up through NASA and so forth. So a lot of stuff going on this week. It's uh, been somewhat busy. We're going to be uh, checking out uh, things that have happened this week, uh, some videos, things like that, and share with you some of the things that have coming on. And also tonight, we're actually going to be talking a little bit about um, a movie that I went and saw. Uh, many of you may have uh, been hearing a lot of the buzz around Interstellar. And we'll be talking a little bit about that tonight, as it's some of the, the presumptions and, and assumptions that go along with it, as well as some of the interesting things that went with what uh, Interstellar presents. Um, so stay tuned. We'll be uh, ramping up here in a few minutes once we get through some announcements and information that... Uh, We want to get going. Get my links open here. So that's, I'm just bringing up some of the links right now as we get ready to go. Um, on our list tonight, we want to talk about some of the upcoming events 
for WAD Media, who is our primary host uh, for this show. They provide uh, a lot of uh, scheduling for the shows that go over KWAD Radio. Um, this coming week uh, is actually, we're kind of winding down for the holidays as we look forward to things that are going on. The Hey Girl Show, uh, this Wednesday night at 8 p.m., uh, we'll be looking at the, we'll be at the Ice House Tavern, 3855 East Thomas Road here in Phoenix. Uh, come join us. Uh, it's live music, uh, and so a lot of stuff going on. For those of you here in the Valley, uh, join us this Thursday as Wild Media will be hosting at 6.30 Pop Culture Gathering at Queen Pizza on Main Street in Mesa, downtown. That's at 6.30 p.m. Also, uh, we'll be looking at uh, Glendale Glitter Weekend next weekend, next Friday night, the 28th, and uh, Glendale's Jingle Bell Rockin' Night, although I'm not sure we're going to be out there, but one of us will be out there covering the event. Uh, We'll be sure, uh, let us know you're there, and we'll be sure to uh, touch base. Next month, uh, as we do wrap down for the holiday season, giving all of our staff a wonderful opportunity to go visit family and spend uh, the downtime uh, with their families and so forth, we'll wish everybody a a very pleasant Thanksgiving this month, holidays uh, in December, and then looking forward to the new year as we come into January. Um, as we continue on this evening, we started a little bit late. If you're just joining the show, we'll be starting to take our call-ins uh, very soon here at 714-242-5145. That's 714-242-5145. We're talking about news of manned space flight. And, um, you know, um, there are some very interesting things. Um, that have, are kind of exciting, uh, particularly because a lot of these have to do with being able to participate in what's going on. And not just the um, easy stuff. Some of this can be pretty hard. Um, but also pretty fun. I mean, who wouldn't want to go out to spend a uh, couple of weeks pretending you're on Mars? Mars Analog Station. The Mars Society runs one of these uh, periodically. In fact, they have multiple missions every year. Um, They've actually put up, uh, there's an article on an Indiegogo, the Mars station, and how it works, what they're doing, what's going on. Uh, these, they've got, the Mars Society's got two stations out there. There's one up uh, in, uh, I believe it's southern Utah, uh, Mars Desert Research Station, and they just actually uh, put in a new crew starting, I believe, it's a two-week mission, if I'm not mistaken. And you can actually go in, and they have Indiegogo accounts. You can sign up on the Mars Society website. Um, part of a simulated Mars base. And to uh, you've got the, the whole 
spacesuit thing. You've got the habitat. You've got airlock procedures. You learn about and you train for all of the things that would have to be done on a real Mars mission. Definitely something to think about as a function of becoming involved. Um, now, another one that's coming up about being involved is uh, Space Operations, Inc. And Huskalov has uh, got a Kickstarter campaign to fund a simulator for their Eclipse spacecraft. Now, if you haven't checked this out, here uh, the article was on Hobby Space, and they talk about that they want to build a simulator that provides training for orbital missions in the Eclipse spacecraft. Now, this is a two-man spacecraft. They will be upgrading the existing cockpit layout and procedures from NASA's Gemini spacecraft in the 60s. The avionics will be replaced with current qualified technology, new equipment, similar with panels and components in terms of the best interior layout. So it's not really a solid um, uh, immersive simulator with all of the things that shape the craft like this. But this is a starting point. There, um, check it out. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. It'd be a great way um, to get this working, to be able to go in and simulate various different events and things like this, as well as, you know, one way to, to do training um, for the uh, going to space. And for those of you who don't know me, who haven't heard me well, I am a big proponent of going to space. Here's the link to the Kickstarter campaign. So um, check these out. Interesting stuff going on. They're hoping to raise just a little over, uh, um, they're hoping to reach $13,000 to, to fund most of this in order to get most of the things. The Kickstarter has got a diagram of the um, project overview, the plans, the, the uh, schematic the diagram. Um, they've got stretch goals, which is really cool. Um, their logo and their stretch goal is a full flight simulator. So this isn't just a one shot deal, folks. This is this is a path to build a training simulator for orbital operations. So keep that in mind. This is this is some pretty exciting stuff. Um, definitely stuff to think about. Uh, in international news, Russia has decided to get on the bandwagon. We all know about how SpaceX has been doing reusable um, rockets, or at least they've designed reusable booster recovery uh, on their Falcon 9 uh, ships so that we can reduce the cost of launch. And they've actually had, uh, I believe it's two, maybe it's three actual uh, booster soft landings over water. I think it's two for sure. No, it's three. It is three because the middle one, uh, there was a big storm, so they couldn't get up close to it. So keep that in mind. They've actually uh, successfully soft landed three boosters uh, and actually gotten video back from, from all three, albeit the middle one was a bit a bit dicey because of the storm. Now, Russia's in Nergemat. Now, they're not quite as ambitious as SpaceX. They're talking about a module, just the engine module, that when their booster launches, the engine module would detach, have its own um, uh, its own heat shield and parachute recovery system, 
and they would launch this as a function of their boosters uh, in the in the future. Now we don't have any kind of uh, they don't give a particular timetable for this yet. This is still on the drawing board kind of thing. Uh, it is just a, a proposal, um, and they're saying that the added weight of the recovery system would probably knock off about 2.6% of the Ankara rocket's payload capacity. Now, or the maximum weight it can lift to give an altitude of the Earth. Now, which isn't so bad. We already know that SpaceX um, deals with a reduction in capacity, albeit small, uh, to uh, deliver the Dragon into orbit. And yet, SpaceX's uh, loss of the other direction, they actually increased the size of the booster to provide sufficient fuel to maintain their capability. That's what it was. So definitely, definitely an interesting read. They talk about the design. They, they and, and of course, the Angara uh, has been around for quite a while. And its original design was to be entirely reusable. So check it out. It's, it's a different design than SpaceX. So definitely something to follow on and check out. Now, uh, let's see, which one was the next one on the list? Where are we at? Don't you hate it when that happens? Um, where were we? And okay. There's that. Just a little while ago, about um, an MIT student's analysis of Mars One mission and how they suggest that there could be a uh, very real problem uh, with the Mars plan for Mars One mission. And of course, the, the notes are going back and forth between Mars One and the MIT students' analysis team about how there was data, there was information. You know, all of this, you know, it, it's kind of the thing that happens. People are pitching stuff. You've got to take it with a grain of salt until everything gets fleshed out. At the same time, there are always problems with missions of this magnitude. And as CNET calls it, it's the battle of the brain. The link brings additional information to light that puts in question the validity of the Mars One program. So he estimates that the fatality would come around day 68 of the mission, uh, and it'd be the result of suffocation too low and partial pressure within the environment, an independent, uh, blah, 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 it was presented. Okay. problem, according to the study, is basically that growing a bunch of crops inside the same structure as living quarters will raise the oxygen in the air to an unfaced level, requiring that the extra O2 be vented. Now, the MIT students claim that such technology is not available that could, uh, that could vent this. Okay while holding on to the problematic. Well, they might be uncomfortable, but apparently this author uh, from CNET, which is Eric Mack, talks about the proposition that actually things would already be uncomfortable before lack of oxygen becomes an issue because living in a greenhouse would raise humidity levels in the structure to 
display of paper. The uh, paper also uses different models. And so there's issues with pressure swing of structure. So basically, the bottom line is we're looking at a situation where issues that Mr. Blastorf has not yet addressed in the plan as defined in the material available for discussion. So again, check out the link. Uh, also check out uh, the Mars One link. See what's going on. See what they're doing and how things are going. Because I'll tell you, it's exciting. It really is exciting. Now, uh, something else. Al has or Joe has just walked in, so hopefully we can get her on the line here in a few minutes, and we can see what else I've got on my list. Oh, here's. Here's a humorous thing for you. We talk about sometimes uh, the strange things that happen in the course of man space life. I remember seeing an article some time ago, actually it was a story, about the dangers of carrying weapons on a spacecraft. You're you're flying through through the vacuum of space in a tin can. Uh, in fact, for all intents and purposes, it's thinner. Than a tin can. And people have taken weapons into space. In fact, the Russians at one time used to carry this scary gun that also doubled as a shotgun and a machete actually on board uh, their space, the Soviet spacecraft. Now, you got it, but you got it, you got to think for a minute. There was actually a very good reason for this. Okay. Now, the gun itself, the article has some neat pictures, could fire rifle bullets, shotgun cells, and flares, and wasn't for use in space, but rather in the harsh environment of the Siberian wilderness in the event of an off-course landing. Um, and, of course, the, the thing of it is, when you're landing on land, and if you have to get off course, especially in Siberian wilderness, you can land in the middle of a, of a forest preserve where got wildlife out there and you might open your capsule and all of a sudden there's a pack of wolves. Now, you're not going to grab the torch out of the fire because you haven't gotten out of the capsule yet. You need something to protect yourself or at least at minimum to scare the critters off so you can get out and get ready for the rescue parties to come find you and be able to get warm and take care of business as needed. It gets cramped in them quarters. But check out the article. Uh, and the idea of the survival gun is a scary idea, but at the same time, it's, it's there because it makes sense. Little things uh, that make a difference. Okay. We've got some interesting news tonight from... Uh, no, I haven't talked about the movie yet. Al's here. We'll get her on the microphone here in just a minute. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to get through my list here. It got uh, populated with a whole bunch of other stuff. And I'm 
trying to weed out stuff out of my list. Uh, oh, here we go. There's that. My uh, trying to get my acting gear. You bet. Uh, all right. Let's let's talk about some new space folks. Article this week on parabolic arc. Art Dula. Now, for those of you who don't know who Art Dula is, he is one of the leading figures in the group Excalibur Almaz. Now, Excalibur Almaz claim to fame was is they had purchased a group of equipment from the Russians, some capsules and a couple of space station modules, and their intent was to build, launch and uh, assemble a lunar cycler craft. Its purpose was to provide the opportunity to research the spaces between the Earth and the Moon. The craft would, cycle, would launch up into orbit. It would then get another boost that would put it into an orbit that would circle both the Earth and the Moon in a repeating cycle and only need to use extra fuel for the occasional course correction to maintain their thing. The whole thing is the cycler orbit uses the gravity of the Moon to swing it around and swing it back at Earth, gravity of the Earth, to swing it around and swing it back to the Moon. You get the orbit just right, it'll do this dang near forever. Lunar cycles, cycles back and forth. Now, the beauty is that when it's heading towards Earth, you can launch up stuff to catch up with it and load supplies, load material, people, whatever you need, add it to that lunar cycler. They can carry it up to the moon, and then they can detach, slow down, and land on the moon. So it, it becomes a, a deal where all you've got to do is connect, ride the ferry, get, get off at the moon, or reverse you launch supplies, material, cargo, whatever, up to the lunar orbit. Apparently, Mr. Dula is facing another lawsuit alleging fraud connected with his caliber Almaz. The article is an interesting read. Um, I, I would recommend to do a little bit of research, uh, see what's going on. Um, I've seen several articles about where they're selling off some of the equipment they did. I haven't seen seen them in the news much lately except for these articles. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out as time goes forward. Because Art Dula um, and the crew at Excalibur Almaz, they built, they uh, purchased the Soviet equipment, began the renovations to prepare it for launch. And now we're starting to see that perhaps, like Mars Inspiration, our deal is running out of money, which very well could be the case. So, again, one of those things we're just going to have to keep a watch on to see what happens. Um, back to NASA for a little bit. Now, there was an article in Aviation Week this past week. Oh, I'm sorry. It's from May. We already covered this back in May. We want to do All right. But, okay, SpaceX is challenging time. Actually, what it is, all right, nothing's come off. Get your mind out of the gutter, girl. Get your mind out of the space gutter. All right. 
basically what it is is the people in China, the Chinese space agency, they're recognizing just how challenging it is to try and match SpaceX reusable system. Um, the article uh, talks about how SpaceX's reusable launcher, which, by the way, they lead the field. There is nobody anywhere on the planet who has gotten to the point of being able to test a reusable spacecraft. Nobody. I mean, the closest thing is the Soyuz. It's the only other spacecraft that comes back to Earth. But here's the thing. Nobody's even tried to develop a reusable booster yet. Now, China is looking at it, and they've decided that um, as they move into their second level of progress, moving away from the older technology of hydrazine, introducing a family launcher should be more efficient, therefore more cost-effective. Now, they also see that their most intense competition is going to come from SpaceX. Now, in thinking in those lines, the Chinese family of rockets in the Long March, the medium heavy launcher in the class of SpaceX Falcon 9, and according to what you apply this year, the new family of launchers from China, the Long March 5, as a core propelled by engines burning liquid hydrogen and oxygen. Now, otherwise, they're largely based on core stages and boosters, somewhat similar to um, SpaceX. And the cargo lift capability is, is, is similar, at least it's close. But the Chinese are looking at this stuff and saying is that they're going to be hard-pressed to have a reusable system that can compete with SpaceX. You know, many of you, yeah, many of you remember that that uh, SpaceX earlier this year threw down the gauntlet to Ariane Space, saying they can't compete. He just came out and said it. You guys just can't do it. Trying to be a big diplomatic. <laughs> well, this is this is the Chinese are recognizing that SpaceX is well, going to be SpaceX tough to beat. SpaceX isn't going to say it's Chinese. So well, no, SpaceX isn't looking in that direction yet, at least no. as far as we know. So, yeah, there's there's a lot going on there and a lot of stuff that, you know, we really got to be aware of. But it could be exciting if the Chinese do take a shot at it. I mean, they could. They're pushing hard. They've got Tiangong is up there. They've had, satellite, they, they've had their Taikonauts uh, up there once already. Um, they've, they've gone to the moon already. Now, they've done in less than five years what it took the U.S. Do twelve or fifteen? Well, then again, that's not really fair considering that. Well, they leapfrogged because they got some use technology right. that was already proven. Exactly. They bought a lot of it from Russia. You know, yeah. so yeah, I mean, and we you got to hand it to the Russians. Actually, do the blueprints, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it's not fair to be stepping the time. That's right. So, moving on to a different topic. Um, there was an article out uh, date, uh, back on the 6th, Science Daily. Now, I ran into this after our last week's show. And basically, what the article talks about is that synthetic biology may hold the key to long-term exploration of Mars. Now, 
they've shown that they can do biomanufacturing based on microbes, and they can make travel to and settlement of extraterrestrial. Find where was my note here? Well, and you know that's the thing. Um, this is this goes back to something I put out in my pamphlet a year ago when I talked about twelve steps to a permanent settlement on the moon. Has it been that long? Long. Okay. Um, but they talk about ways to genetically engineer biological components that could do work for us, that could process waste, that could produce oxygen. Stuff is all well and good. Here's the problem. They're thinking for themselves. What? They're thinking for themselves. No. They're thinking for themselves. Well, they take over everything. Well, okay. Synthetic anything. You've got AI. You've got all of these different scenarios that we've seen in fiction. I know. And it's scary. Well, you know, there was one. Oh, check this out. Here's one for you. This is along the lines of synthetic biology. In the particular story, I wish I could call remember what it was called. I, I read it about eight, ten years ago. It was about, uh, and in fact, there was a similarity with this. Basically, you build nanobots, teeny tiny little machines. They serve a very specific purpose. Let's say their job is to take carbon dioxide and convert it to oxygen and carbon. Okay? Straightforward task. And then you start going to work. Well, here's the rub. No, that, that wasn't Eureka. That was... Uh, uh, no, it wasn't Stargate. It's getting warm. It was the one on TV where all the electricity goes out. In fact, we were watching. Oh, I was watching that was Revolution. Revolution. That's the one. And in that scenario, something goes wrong, and the man, the nanobots, go ape crazy and reproduce way out of parameters. Nobody knows why. Um, and all sorts of consequences ensue. But here's the rub. The thing is, any technology that we establish that is designed like a black box will only remain a black box so long as it is in the confines of the laboratory where the environment can be controlled. When that black box gets into the Earth's environment, all bets are off, guys. I mean, look what's happened with genetically modified corn. All right? This stuff propagates in ways they didn't anticipate. Yeah, this is what I'm talking about. You know, scientists think, oh, yeah, this would be really cool to do this, and then it turns out. Well, sure. It happens every single time. Oh, we didn't were expecting that. That's right. I saw that movie before. Now, does this mean we shouldn't pursue technology? No, I don't think it's that we shouldn't. It's just that, you know, you need to think, the scientists need to think, well, gee, wonder what happens if that goes wrong. What could go wrong? Oh, nothing could go wrong. Oh. I spent 20 years as a computer programmer, and I cannot count the number of days that I couldn't count the number of times that a program got an odd input and blew up in my face. 
Yeah, literally. I mean, my screen just started doing all weird things. Well, I didn't get meltdown. I mean, it was still in a sandbox. But you start throwing inputs at it. And you're so fancy. Yeah. You can't depend on on being able to control the environment. This is the mistake that a lot of times some of our errands, engineers, and scientists Mother Nature always finds a way to do what it wants instead of what you want. Exactly. Um, and this is where I diverge from a lot of science that seeks to remake um, nature. When we try and use technological solutions to improve upon nature, this is where I think we should draw the line. We need to better learn. I don't think that would help. I think that would just give them more ideas. Oh, gee, if we did this, how's a whole other climate? There you go. There you go. I think that we need to step back from the whole idea of a black box in nature and recognize that it doesn't exist. Because anytime you introduce a synthetic anything into the environment, the environment begins working on it immediately. You put a car out there with a brand new paint job and it's got 16 gazillion layers of lacquer on it and wax stuff to protect it from the environment, but you didn't get that 16 layers of lacquer and, and wax up underneath the fender. You can't. And that's where it starts. It's going to bite you in the butt back in a gas tank. All right? <laughs> And that came out totally wrong. But do I think we should continue researching genetically modified organisms? Yes. Do I think we should release these into the natural environment? No. Absolutely not. In greenhouses that you can do that at least reduce the risk markedly. Right, you know, if, if you grow, well, you can't keep it under wraps so that and try and make it a slave. And again, the but costs are incalculable. Human or microbes. Yeah, cannot cannot enslave labor. You cannot enslave nature. Genetically modified organisms, synthetic processes that try to duplicate nature, don't work. Why can't we, what was that old phrase? I X-File. Why, Why can't we just get all get along? Why can't we get along with Mother Nature instead of trying to take her Jeez, job away from what her? Does he, uh, what, does he try, what makes us think that we're supposed to change nature? Yeah. Is yeah, and farmers and, and geneticists. And, and, and now, things. because we screw things up, now we have a bee problem. We've got all these other issues. I admit, you know, it would really be cool to be able to increase my brain matter or get a little <laughs> bigger, you know, but. I'm not going to put that. Yeah, you better not. Um, <laughs> but is that really no, a good thing? Huh? Which no, no, no. <laughs> hey, you know, while it's, while it's a great fantasy, it makes for a great story. I think it actually makes for bad science. Well, that's the point of the story. 
because I think the consequences far outweigh the benefits. Well, you know, I, I, I have to wonder. There, there are, there are environments in which you can create a medically sealed environment, and then you can control that environment. And you can do a lot of things in there. But the problem is, the cost to create that environment is huge. Yeah, yeah. It's really huge, and yeah, so it and becomes cost prohibitive. And even then, in keeping it defined, now your costs are out of out of whack. You mm-hmm. know. Um, so I, while I think it's a cool idea to and, look and at these things, right. So, and and of course the assumption here that synthetic biology in a space environment might actually work because you're already in a basically a hermetically sealed capsule. But again, you've got natural processes acting on that synthetic biology that. You cannot trust. Oh, is that horizon? Yeah. There was one or thing when whole number of films where authors have considered the ramifications of different things, and they're not even thinking outside the box yet. They're just thinking, "Oh, wow, that could happen." Exactly. So. While I think that research in synthetic biology is a cool thing, and they're doing some great things with this, uh, generating oxygen, generating food, but I got to tell you, who wants to live on green soup for six months at a time? Yeah, I know. Uh, although I've seen a lot of commercials where these guys are drinking these juices that are that are green vegetables, basically. And they're just chugging this stuff down. That can't taste good. I, I gotta well, say, it doesn't I, look good. I, yeah, like Rocky when he's eating, he's like drinking the egg. That's totally broken down. Yeah, eggs are supposed to be cooked. They're meat after yeah, all. Yeah, you right. gotta have cooked meat. It's gotta be warm. Yeah, it's gotta be it warm meat. It doesn't count when it gets inside you. Okay. Yeah, no, it's gotta be warm before it's cooked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so Imagine it cooking inside you like that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> We've had the suggestion that um, uh, here was a neat thing that I, I, I found this interesting in the in the uh, uh, related technology area. Uh, apparently, DARPA has been really looking at drones lately in a curious way. Um, what they want to do is actually kind of. Uh, give them credit. It's, it's definitely an interesting idea because I could see applications for this in a number of different ways. Um, DARPA wants to convert C-130 and other planes into drone carriers. Now, the idea is that you can take eight or ten um, uh, unmanned aircraft systems, basically flying unpiloted drones, piloted drones, I mean, where they, they control these things. From, well, Pilots don't sit in the aircraft. They're unmanned aircraft systems. So the guy sitting on the ground somewhere piloting it remotely. Yeah, we did. Um, and the idea is, you check out the image on the, on the article page. It's it's about looking at the idea of having these drones, perhaps on a rack, 
in the 130 or perhaps a bigger cargo craft where the drones could literally take off and land inside this, this aircraft. So you could conceivably uh, have a C-130 fly from, uh, say, across the pond to, to Europe and deliver a small squadron of, say, 10 or 12 drones whose purpose is to, let's say they just want to fly over a whole section of it. Or, or here you go. Let's say, let's, say, let's, say, let's say Google Maps decides to get close-up pictures. Aerial shots. Okay, I, I could see Google doing that. And so they, they contract with the company's got a C-130. Yeah, yeah, I saw some of that stuff. But imagine a company or the government delivering 10 of these drones to a location a couple thousand miles away or a thousand miles away. The, the C-130 doesn't have to get close to the war zone. But these drones are dropped where they launch from the aircraft, and then they fly to the battlefield, they do their duty, and then they fly back to the C-130 and either, A, refuel, or actually land, and the C-130 carries back. Now, the reason I thought that was, was an interesting technology is consider the idea that what if we did this same type of thing with spacecraft? And here's a what if. Well, why not have, because we've, we've seen a thing nowadays where a satellite operator is beginning to launch CubeSats. They're barely six inches square. I mean, they're tiny by comparison. They've got their own fuel. They've got their own little bit to do what they need to do in space. They're launched. Uh, in fact, the International Space Station has a CubeSat launcher on board. Actually catapulted out into, into orbit. Now, these things are tiny, but I could see where one spacecraft could be designed, say, to go to the moon. And it gets to the moon, and the purpose of this carrier spacecraft is to deliver, say, 10 little communications CubeSats, whose purpose is a ring around the moon so that you can communicate with Earth from anywhere on the moon, including the dark side. They could be a constant, small constellation of satellites that might um, map it. Cameras, map it, uh, and all they have to do is take their images and send them off. You know, a camera, a transmitter, and, and a small little set of uh, dusters uh, based on CO2 or whatever just to keep it in orbit. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, get your mind out of space together again. Come on. I see small Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go with the little tiny cute thing. Oh, gee whiz. <laughs> oh, man. Man, oh, man. But, but, you know, I think it's a great idea to think about satellites carrying other smaller satellites to do targeted work. And, you know, with some of the, some of the newer, uh, simpler swarm technologies, uh, you could actually get a small constellation that could work from a mother satellite and literally takes far more accurate images of Mars, the moons of everywhere else, you know, uh, and then just, yeah, you know, just things that could be very, very simple. And I think NASA is beginning to see that the simpler approach 
where you take these things and, and model them after natural systems makes a lot more sense scientifically because it's cheaper, it's simpler, it's easier to work with. You model it after a natural system, and so when it gets into the natural environment, it behaves in a way that, well, not as easy to predict, still behaves within the natural environment. You design it to work in the natural environment rather than designing it as artificial biology to fight with the environment or to, to be assumed to be an improvement. So definitely different strokes, different ways things can go on. So we're going to take a, a, a couple of minutes break here uh, for uh, I need a drink to continue going forward. Um, and we'll be back in a few minutes. So listen to a little music for a little bit, and we will be back in just about two and a half minutes.
All righty. All righty. Welcome back. This is KWOD Radio, broadcasting the next space where we talk about the latest and greatest and best interesting interesting uh, and news about manned space flight or anything that could contribute to manned space flight. And keep in mind, when we talk about manned space flight, we're not talking about just a couple of astronauts going up driving a rock and coming back home after flying flat, so that eventually we go and live in space uh, and create economy and create trade and, and live and grow and develop our civilization beyond the planetary boundaries of, of this this Earth. So uh, I'm going to turn the time over here to Joe for just a little bit, and you got some things to bring up on the calendar um, yeah. and talk about a few things. So. The mic is all yours. Uh, just to let you guys know, I, I haven't been here because I've been at convention. So we talk about uh, we did hear a song. There's the end of the season. Uh, lots of fun out there. We went out to our bed. Uh, we also had a tour of a different hotel. Very nice. Goodbye. Yeah, we'll get out. Have a daily area. This is where Tom was in Spear Farm. And a lot of great people out there, including some very strange ones. And we had a lot of fun. Um, we're out there showing books and doing shows and showing we had, we had some zombies from over. We had some like, big clowns. And, you know. So <laughs> that was on November 1st and 2nd. And then we went to do some comments on last weekend. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And those guys had a fun show. Uh, we have, you know, Tyson came out because, you know, the price was right. Um, they came out with a wonderful experience, a lot of fun experience from uh, the conference. So, um, so the guest coming up, uh, Abigail Ryder, Yeah. 
Yeah, I did, I think. At least I hope so. Uh, Thanksgiving's your best. Yeah. So, faith-wise, what do you think? Space X. There you go. Elon Musk. Big kudos to you, mister. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, on that note, I think we're going to call it a night. I really want to talk about the movie. Oh, that's right. We went to the Interstellar. Yeah. So we're over here at the theater anyway. Okay, now what do we do? We he said he played a couple movies that been like, you know, you're gone two months ago. I'm supposed to show you how much we go out. So I said, uh, so we looked at this and we're looking at the movies and Interstellar. Oh yeah, that's yeah, of course far be it for me to say that I don't enjoy watching that. So, he did good. I candy, and he did a good job. He, uh, he prayed to the Father. I mean, he was really coming and uh, I thought the movie was so well acted. I mean, he couldn't come. A lot of principles about time travel, about black holes. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I felt that, I felt, and walked away from the film, that there was a lot of, um, there's some good science. There was a lot of good heartbreak. Yeah. A lot of hope. A lot of challenges. Great twist that really, wow. you know, I mean. Michael Caine was in it. I mean, you um, The guy that did uh, page four, what did you say his name was? <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.